This is the Intimacy Podcast. Today, we're talking about judgment and shame. Welcome. This is the Intimacy Podcast. Here, you'll find clean sex talk, answers to your intimate questions, and practical advice to take your relationship to the next level. I'm your host, certified intimacy coach and instructor, Rhonda Farr. While this podcast is not rated explicit, some content may not be suitable for younger listeners. Hey friends, thanks for showing up here again today and hanging out for a little while. I have a really fun topic for you today. I'm talking about judgment and shame. (laughs) That sounds awesome, right? Just what everybody wants to focus on. Trust me, you're going to want to listen to this one the whole way through because I guarantee you shame and judgment are showing up in your life and in your relationship whether you realize it or not. Shame is one of the most powerful emotions that we feel. It can cause us to sever relationships, sink into depression, fuel patterns of addictive behaviors and eating disorders, and in extreme cases it can even lead to suicide. All right, I know I'm not painting a very pretty picture, but we need to know these things. We need to shine the light on it. You know where shame comes from? It comes from self-judgment. Now, don't get me wrong. I think self-evaluation can be very important and useful. In fact, judgment itself is an important thing in our lives. Our brains are hardwired to judge. We have to be able to look at our environment and judge according to safety, survivability, potential threats. Our caveman ancestors needed to be able to judge their environment constantly so they wouldn't be eaten by the tiger, so they could survive, they could have food to eat, so they could thrive. It's in our biology to judge the things around us and even judge ourselves. I don't fault any of you for these natural tendencies. I do it myself. It's human nature. But, as we know, our natural tendencies don't always serve us well. Do you remember that series I did about the intimacy model a couple of months ago? If you don't, you should definitely go listen to it. In that series, I shared a story about myself in which I judged myself so harshly. My baby was hooked up to life support. I knew he was probably in his last hours of his life. This was a child that I loved more than anything. Yet in that moment, with all the commotion and his tiny little body shaking from the vibration of some of the machines he was hooked up to, I had a thought about money. That's right. I had a thought that all of this stuff that was going on for him was going to be really expensive. Can you believe a mother who loved her son as much as I did because I had already sacrificed my body a lot? I had told the doctors I would do anything to save him, even sacrifice my own life and well-being if I had to. Can you believe a mother who loved her son could have such a thought at such a critical time in her life and her son's life? I actually couldn't believe it either. I literally could not believe my brain was going there. As I shared previously on a different podcast, in that moment with my son, I was absolutely disgusted with myself. I was so ashamed. I would never 
ever believe that that's what I would be thinking about when my son was holding on to his life by a thread. As a result of that, I would spend over a decade keeping the secret of that thought buried deep inside me. I was terrified if anybody knew they would think I was some kind of monster. In fact, that's what I thought about myself. I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell my mom who had also lost a child. I didn't find a trusted professional to walk me through it. I didn't even tell my husband who just might have been the only person in the whole world who could have remotely related to how I felt. I didn't want him to know because I thought he might hate me. I hated myself for it. And so I hid in shame. I would beat myself up on the regular. I would think even more terrible thoughts about myself. I would break down crying at the most random times for no reason, or at least I thought it was no reason. I tried to numb and avoid feeling those things by just trying to check out of my life or fantasize about running away from my family. Can you imagine how great of a mom and I and wife I was <laughs> while I was in that cycle? Yikes, you guys, I was a mess. I hit it pretty well on the outside, if I do say so myself. I don't think most people could see what was going on, but I felt it. I was a total wreck. And I stayed a mess and a wreck for a long time. And I suffered a lot because of it. My marriage suffered because of it. Today I want to tell you about how judgment, and especially the shame that follows that judgment, affects our lives and our relationships. I want you to think honestly about how often you judge yourself. What are you judging yourself for? Do you sometimes wish you'd married another person, that person that you were dating before the person you're with now? Do you feel like a jerk because you just don't find your husband as attractive since all of the weight gain? Do you feel like you hate your child at times? Have you fantasized about cheating or do you indulge in pornography and don't know how to stop? These are all real thoughts and judgments that I've been hearing lately. When you look in the mirror, what do you say about your own body? When you think about the amount of desire you have in the bedroom, what are your thoughts? I want you to consider all of it today. While these feelings are certainly just a part of being human, I've had many of my own variations of similar thoughts myself, so there's no judgment from me. <laughs> I get it. I get where you're coming from. I think everyone should examine the effects of these judgments and shame in their own lives and decide for themselves if shame is ever a positive thing for you. Does shame ever lead you toward growth, progress, toward your best self? As we continue forward with this conversation, I want to be really clear about the definition I use for shame. Shame is a focus on self. Shame says, I am bad. I'm not good enough. While guilt, which some of you may be confusing as being the same as shame, is actually a focus on behavior. That behavior is out of alignment with who I am or out of align with my alignment with my values. Guilt says, I've done something that I don't like. Shame is very strongly correlated with addictions, depression, aggression, 
With guilt, social researchers have actually found an inverse correlation with those things. Guilt still feels bad, but it also helps us evaluate our behaviors. Guilt allows us to take responsibility. When it comes to relationships and sexuality, as one might guess, shame is especially prevalent in this sphere. So many of you and me and all of us are judging our reactions, our thoughts, our urges, and our tendencies. And we're judging these things that, you know, they feel terrible and we think that we're terrible, just like the example that I gave about myself. We're judging these things the most when we feel like we're at our worst. If you listen to many of my podcasts, you know that I 100% believe that how we feel in any given moment is going to affect the way we show up in the world. It's going to affect the way we show up in our relationships. If you're in a relationship where you're afraid to be yourself, where you want to hide parts of who you are so no one will find out, I want you to know this is a symptom of shame. This is a sign that you're feeling shame about something in your life. Shame is why we keep so many secrets. Shame is why we do exactly the opposite of what we think we should be doing. Think about my story I just shared about myself. I felt like I had to hide my terrible secret. I didn't want my husband to know. I wanted so badly to connect with him and feel that closeness when we were going through this really big trial in our lives, but I also felt like I couldn't let him in. Often when we're engulfed in shame, we engage in even more self-destructive behaviors. We resist talking about our impulses, our feelings, our natural desires, and we hide in secrecy and isolation despite the negative consequences, despite all these negative things that are coming up because of our behaviors and our unwanted behaviors. How do you think these things that I've been talking about as far as our feelings and our thoughts and our behaviors, how do you think these things affect the relationship that you're in? I'll often hear a wife say, I feel so ashamed that I can't give my husband what he wants. My husband is patient, but I know this is terrible for him and I hate it too and I hate this about myself. Or maybe I'll hear a husband say, I'm ashamed that sometimes I fantasize about what it would be like to not be in this relationship anymore so I could experience someone else, someone who really desires me. I once had a woman reach out about her patterns of pornography use and she said it just felt so shameful, so embarrassing. She literally said, I feel disgusting. Now, Your initial response as I talk about some of the thoughts that my clients and listeners have shared with me might be, well, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that what a good person does? A good wife or husband would want to feel like that. They would want to feel terrible in situations like that when they're having such negative thoughts and feelings. Isn't it good to feel bad about those things? Here's my answer. I do think these are all good people with good intentions who are trying to live up to their marriage covenants, and that's probably why they're beating themselves up. They're trying to deal with some very human reactions and responses. But when they feel this deep shame that seems warranted sometimes, 
Like I mentioned earlier, shame is not the emotion that will drive them to change. It's not the emotion that will drive them to feel empowered and connect with their partner. Can you see how it doesn't actually serve the relationship even though it feels warranted and it feels noble, right, to beat yourself up when you're having these thoughts that seem terrible? Shame does not drive change. It does not lead us to the behaviors that will connect us with those around us. Now, here's the other thing about shame. It's also a very common human emotion that we're all going to feel from time to time. Okay? I want you to know that. It's not like we can say, I'm never going to feel shame again because Rhonda says it's bad and never have that come up. I think it's common and I think we all will feel it from time to time, but I also don't think it's useful, okay? I used to go back and forth with that idea though of shame being useful or not. It took me a long time because I wondered if shame might be just this very extreme motivation that one would need to stop an unwanted behavior. Some of you might be wondering the same thing. But from my experience and the research that I've done and the research that other people have done, shame doesn't curtail unwanted behavior. It actually exacerbates it and it causes us to isolate ourselves from the ones we love the most. So I want you to really think about that in your own life when you're feeling shame. Think about that in your parenting. I wonder how many times I have unintentionally prompted or triggered shame in my children thinking that it was useful. Yeah, remember, shame is not the same as guilt. Shame tells us we are inherently bad and worthless, while guilt tells us we're just out of alignment with who we are. Shame tells us we are wrong and bad. Guilt tells us that our behavior needs to be evaluated because we feel out of alignment with who we want to be or out of alignment with our values. So let's think about my listener who was struggling with the pornography patterns. Shame told her that she was defective and disgusting. Shame told her that if anyone knew, they would think she was a terrible person and a terrible mom. Shame kept her quiet and hidden. She was unable to access the love, the help, and resources she needed to overcome these urges that she was having. She said she also had some thoughts of, this doesn't have to define me. This isn't the good person that I'm striving to be. I know I'm capable of understanding and figuring this out. Can you see how the latter frames her behavior in a way that feels out of alignment, but also keeps her capable of change and responsible for her own change. By the way, this is just a side note here. I actually believe the urge to look at pornography is very normal. Any of you out there like her feeling shame about that? I don't think it makes someone good or bad. I think it makes them human. For sure, that urge can be managed with the right tools and help. But seriously, arousal and seeking out pleasure and dopamine hits for the brain is so normal. It's the same reason many of you want to eat a big old piece of cake or ride a roller coaster, right? Because it gives you that rush. It gives you that dopamine hit. It feels good, right? It can be a stress reliever. 
But just because something is normal and feels good, it also does not mean you have to indulge in it. We can understand that an urge is a normal part of our humanness and not judge ourselves and also not indulge in the behavior. If we do indulge in something that we wish we hadn't, we can still understand that the urge is normal, but the behavior might not be one that we want for ourselves. From this place of understanding, that's where we're most capable of change. I hope that makes sense to everybody. Often when we feel the normal urges or we think um, <clears throat> the very understandable, though not ideal thoughts about ourselves and others, then we go into this shame attack, right? So let me rephrase that. I feel like I got a little off track there. We feel these normal urges and we think these thoughts that if we look at them closely are very understandable, right? Like when we think about being attracted to somebody who's changed their appearance a lot or when we think about perhaps feeling uh, rejected or unwanted in our relationship and maybe fantasizing what it would be like for somebody to want us. I think that's very understandable when we look at it objectively. But when we do that and we go into a shame attack because we just think we should be better than that and we shouldn't be thinking those thoughts, we start telling ourselves how awful and worthless we are. That, my friends, is when the urges actually get stronger. And the reason why is we become more closely tied to them. They take up so much more space in our lives and we tend to disconnect with the things that matter most or the people that, we, that matter most to us. Can you see that? When you resist something or replace a lot of shame and a lot of like to use the words of some of my clients and listeners, disgust and thinking that we're terrible, we think that we're a monster, then we become closely tied to them, right? Because we have all the thoughts and they're always there. Shame grows with secrecy, silence, and judgment. Ironically, when we share our negative self-critical thoughts with another person or even when we just bring them to light with ourselves and allow ourselves to evaluate them, this is one of the best ways that we can combat shame. Dr. Brene Brown, a well-known author and research professor at the University of Houston's Graduate School of Social Work who has studied shame and vulnerability and worthiness, she's been a strong proponent of sharing your vulnerability. She says, essentially, when we're admitting our feelings of shame, we can become more connected to others. If we're going to find our way back to each other, we have to understand and know empathy. Brene says empathy is the antidote to shame. Now, some of you might be saying, well, there's nobody around here who's offering me any empathy. (laughs) Not getting that here. First of all, If you're drowning in shame, you probably haven't been open and honest enough for another person to even reciprocate with empathy. So that's number one. But second of all, I'm asking you today to give yourself empathy. You are a human with a human brain. Our brains do and think some crazy stuff sometimes. We should just accept that right now and have compassion toward yourself. 
Explore the things that come up in your mind, the things that are totally out of left field and you think are crazy and why on earth would that be there? Explore those things with curiosity. Why am I thinking this right now? Why do I have these tendencies or urges? I want you to lean into it and figure it out. That's going to seem so counterintuitive, you guys. Just try it. What I ultimately got to with all the shame I was carrying with my experience with my son in the hospital was, well, first of all, I had an incredibly patient and non-judgmental life coach. I need to say that first. Who was actually, this is so interesting, supposed to be coaching me on business building, by the way. (laughs) He wasn't even coaching me on this whole issue of grief and all that that I was um, dealing with. But whenever I finally got to all of these things and I wanted to bring them up and I knew I couldn't live this way anymore. I had this life coach who heard and understood exactly what was happening with my shame attack. But also what I was able to uncover after I stopped being so resistant and afraid to explore my thoughts was, oh, that's what brains do. Like I understood how my mind was working. It wasn't because I was a terrible person. I started to understand when you're in a situation of panic and overwhelm, sometimes your brain will latch on to anything familiar or concrete in order to survive that current moment. I was raised by a penny pincher. My mother, she was a penny pincher. (laughs) Money was always a topic of conversation. Costs and financial responsibilities, those were a natural escape for me in that moment that I was experiencing intense emotions and grief. For my pornography listener, when she understands that her brain is just trying to get this dopamine hit that she receives when she's watching porn, when she understands that pornography is often used as a buffer and a stress reliever, She can then go into what's causing the stress, right? She can dig a little deeper. Why does she need the buffer? This is normal for me to crave this and keep going back to it, right? From this place of understanding, she can stop beating herself up and work toward change and decide intentionally how she'd like to proceed and overcome her unique challenges. That's where she can start connecting with herself and ultimately connecting with her husband again. Pima Kodrin teaches that when we fear and resist negative emotion, we suffer. When we have compassion and allow it, we can grow and thrive. So the next time you feel those painful waves of shame bubble up inside of you, I want you to call it out for what it is. This will bring awareness to the situation. Seriously, just say it out loud. Call it out. This is shame. That Rhonda girl with the southern draw, (laughs) she talked about this on her podcast. She made it seem like it would be better if I didn't hide and wallow in this. Call it out. Then I want you to ask yourself, what am I afraid of others knowing about me right now? What am I trying to hide? This will tell you what the source of the shame is in your life. I want you to recognize and make peace with your humanness. Have your own back. Show that self-empathy. Remember that vulnerability is the pathway to connection. 
while we're humans and we're hardwired for judgment, for survival, I want you to know as humans, we're also hardwired for connection and relationships. Vulnerability is that pathway toward connection. If you have someone that you love and trust and you think that they're a safe place, feel free to share what you're going through with that person. Be careful with it, right? Because you're going to be raw and vulnerable and you do want to have the right person for this. But for this first step, you know, maybe you don't feel ready to share it with somebody else. It took me only about 10 years to do it myself. (laughs) So I totally get where some of you might be coming from. So for this first step, what I really want you to consider here today is to just stop judging yourself. I want you to start being compassionate toward yourself. And in essence, what I'm saying is share it with yourself, right? When we're pushing and we're resisting and we're avoiding and we're trying to hide it and it just bubbles up randomly and we cry for seemingly no reason, right? We aren't sharing it with ourselves, the way you share it with yourself is just acknowledge that you're having the thought. Acknowledge that it's your human humanness that's causing these thoughts to come up or these feelings that come up. Get curious about what's going on in your mind and how it's showing up in your behaviors. If you're ready to shed the heavy weight of shame in your life and in your relationship, but you feel like maybe you just need a little bit of help moving forward like I did, I literally don't think I would have gotten through that without sharing it with my coach. Make sure you set up an appointment with me. I'd love to chat with you about it and see if I can help you. I can promise the lightness and the peace that you will feel after shedding the shame is worth every ounce of discomfort it takes to get started. Hey there, friend. I know there are some of you out there who are enjoying the podcast but you aren't sure exactly how I help people in my one-on-one practice. If that's you and you're wondering if I might be able to actually walk you through a much desired transformation in your own marriage, make sure you get on my calendar. I'm going to leave a scheduling link in the podcast description today. It's free and you can make your own appointment by using the link you'll find in the description of this episode.